it's Torres oh! to give Chelsea a place in the Champions League final. The headline has been written. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I said the last 18 months have just been forgotten in two seconds. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plastics Podcast, a show where three American wankers don't think goalkeepers are all that impressive. Hmm. We're joined by stick-in-the-mud media personality, Maddie Dixon-Gaylor. What's up? And always hard, always on, Blair Keen Lacrosse. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> and myself. Jacob Kent Burke. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. This week, Chelsea grab a draw from the jaws of victory against a clunky Arsenal. Doku dabbles his dribbles against a disappointing Deserby defense, and Villa vindicates their vicious vibes against a very vacant West Ham. <laughs> this, another FPL roundup, brings us through game week nine. Honestly, I'm impressed, dude. That was that was really well uh, said. Thank you. You're it's welcome. been a while since I did the alliteration. Yeah, the intros. That was some so. good alliteration. It was an interesting week to choose to uh, bring the alliteration back, given how low we all are on. That's true. Mental acuity. Let's uh, let's let's put a big old big old disclaimer at the top of the episode here. Uh, we are compromised. We're immunocompromised. We've been uh, infected. The uh, the apartment is. Did it did it down for the count? A no spin zone. <laughs> yeah, no, we've all got a head colds to some degree. Not I don't co- know. If you it's can, not COVID, but no. it's it's head colds. I'm not going to steal valor here because I feel fine so far. I'm just tired like usual. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always tired. The always tired. Virus. Um, but uh, yeah, adults but- <laughs> being an adult is an always tired virus. It's a it's, it catches really easily. Yeah, it's spreading like wildfire. Yeah, Blair, are you are you feeling are you feeling every fiery? year a new crop of young plucky college graduates gets exposed to the adult virus, mm. the adulting virus. Mm. I hate to break it to you, we are not young plucky or anywhere near that's college graduates. Right, we're kind but of near that's it. where you get first exposed, Maddie. I'm not saying we're near it. Uh, that's <laughs> you know, I think I think we're still young and plucky. First of all, I think I've been thoroughly plucked. <laughs> Second of all, Blair, I'm going to need you to pick up some energy for this uh, first segment Pick up here. some energy. Yeah. Okay, let me Dude, see if they I They have it on sale at the store. At the energy? You, you want to go down to the job <laughs> store and get a job, Jacob? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we uh, Do we want to do a quick uh, Detroit update before? No, no, not this week. Oh. Okay. Uh, Lions are getting creamed right they, now. No, they lost. They lost. Was, Lions got creamed. to six or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, what happened? <laughs> I think that brings the record to five and two. Why are all our guys injured? Five and two, not bad, not bad. Got to take what you can get. Got to take what you can get, right, fellas? Right, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. All right. I am fella. Well, anyway, we got three. I thought very, very decent games that happened over the weekend because uh, you know sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss, but all of these had some. Pretty good talking points overall. Um, obviously, Manchester City, Brighton, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Aston Villa, West Ham all employed some. I, I want to say top seven, top eight teams. Is that is that too aggressive to say? West Ham are up there. Aston Villa are certainly up there, and obviously the other four. Everyone loves. <laughs> Let's start us off at the top here, um, and I'm going to skip point one to because I want to talk about the big money ticket first because I want Blair's energy as hype as possible. Hype, hype. Chelsea, two against Arsenal, who also scored two for a wonderful tie at Stamford Bridge. Um, maybe wonderful isn't the correct choice of words when talking to an Arsenal fan, Blair, but why don't you take me through the, the preamble that the Arsenal fan base that you are embedded, entrenched in, that you represent. 
What were they talking about? I don't know, actually. <laughs> good. What were good, we talking good. about? Um, <laughs> you know, it's like an international break. I was kind of unplugged. Kind of coming know. back. I don't, I, I don't know, you, dude. You, it's whatever. I think I think that um, Arsenal of late have had a good record against Chelsea, even yeah. at Stamford Bridge. Things have gone pretty well for us since the Emil Smith Rowe game, where we won two uh, 0 The Emil Smith Rowe uh, game. Frank Lampard. Is that the what it's called? Prolific match. The the that's not the right match. Not right name for the match, but. That was the one, that game that probably saved Mikel Arteta's career at Arsenal, right? Mm. Um, and since then, we've had a pretty solid record against them, um, save for one Romelu Lukaku assassination of Pablo Mari. That needed to happen. Yeah. That was, a, what do they call it? That was a canon event. Yeah. Yep. And, um, yeah, so I think that the, the, the hopes and the spirits were pretty high. I think coming off of the Man City win, <laughs> you guys remember that? Hey. <laughs> Hey. We beat Man City. That, was a great <laughs> that one. Hey. Um, I personally was just kind of like, I don't know, I was just feeling good, not really. Uh, I was riding the high from that one still, you know. So um, myself, I was, I was feeling pretty optimistic for this one. I thought we had a good shot at it. And um, the the two things that um, you don't want to have happen for Arsenal is that we're a team that can't play in the rain. And we struggle coming off of an international break. And would you would you would you know it? Both of those things happen. Um, yeah, we're the only team that somehow can't get wet for some reason. Um, we the, the boys don't like that. Very cat like in that regard. So um, yeah, I don't know if Mikel Arteta needs to like turn on the sprinkler system at London Colney to train them how to play when the ball is a little bit wet and the grass is a little bit damp um that might be useful because i've i've really yet to see these these guys play um in a rain game well <laughs> so what is it about that is it just the chaos I don't know. Like it doesn't Arsenal make can't get like they can't ride the chaos wave i i don't know i really don't i arsenal's a very like flow-based team so it's you know it's the, the movement's very sort of symphonic, you know, it's da 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 and like the 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 rain games are more like jazz, you know, and I don't think they, they don't <laughs> improvise quite as well. I, I don't know what it is. Arsenal likes a well structured Exactly, yeah. There's gotta the there's gotta be a nice balance to yeah. things. Um the ball needs to arrive um, in certain timing. That's kind of how uh, Arsenal play, I guess. And when the pitch was as wet and uh, waterlogged as the one on the weekend was, the ball is just not, doesn't have any speed to it. You know, um, their touches were obviously loose. Um, passes were going all over the place because the ball was just, it was it was slippery. So, um, but that doesn't bother other teams as much. So I'm not like using that as an excuse because it just seems to bother us a lot more. Um, if you looked at how Chelsea adapted to it, they went long a lot. Uh, Arsenal kept trying to play out from the back, which was stupid. But um, it, it seemed like yeah. um, Arsenal, to me anyway, it could like play, like if you were playing out from the back, right? And uh, let's let's get some facts in here for those that didn't watch it. I want to just quick shout out the uh, the starting back four at least for Arsenal. Um, and it was the usual suspects. Uh, you had um, Zinchenko left back, technically listed. Right, not obviously positionally. Uh, Gabriel, Saliba, and then Ben White. Yeah. Um, so when you build up from the back with Arsenal, and then uh, it, 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 to me, with Arsenal, it started out shaky uh, in their current team comp, but they've become much, much, much better at it. Um, so starting from, out, from that point, you move to the midfield, and that's where I think everything just kind of crumpled. Yeah, yeah. It was all the phase two stuff where it just didn't work. Um, just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, Age of Ultron. I'm, distra I'm distracted now. The, yeah, the Age Arsenal of midfield is Age of Ultron. The, the back line is the first Avengers, and then your front three is the Infinity War slash Endgame. You okay, know? I, saw, I saw that one. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> let's go with it. So, Work yeah, we, we couldn't, we couldn't, like, Chelsea did a really good job. Other teams have tactics, too, of course. Uh, Chelsea did a really good job of mucking it up in the midfield, and we, Arsenal couldn't really get out of, Phase two couldn't really win in the midfield with with Jorginho and Rice. Odegaard was just non-existent, man. I don't know. I was really disappointed in his performance, and that resulted in the ball just not really finding Saka and Martinelli for large swaths of this match. Um, and yeah, like I said, the way that Chelsea adapted to this was they just went long, and they they said, yeah, we'll just play over the midfield 
and Arsenal kept trying to build from the back, Raya playing short, and then we would pass it around the back, um, recycle possession, or pass it into, you know, paint ourselves into corners, basically trying to play it out from the back and then go long, um, which I think just puts you on a, a worse position than if you just did it in the first place. So I don't know. It, it didn't seem like the right formula for the day. And really, when um, we started to go long was when we brought in Kai Everts, and he's a great target for that. And it worked a lot better. So um, very curious. But yeah, I think Chelsea definitely definitively won in the midfield. Connor Gallagher, I think, is a big part of that. Um, very uh, dynamic player, very energetic. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think they looked a lot better. Uh, Arsenal looked really bad in the first 45 minutes of this match. Yeah, because um, we were talking during the game, and I'm just going to rehash it because obviously uh, our conversations... What else did we talk about, right? Don't, don't get recorded. <laughs> but uh, So we had this Rice, Jorginho, Odegaard, right? And you mentioned Odegaard being disappointing. I think, you know, you got to expect... Odegaard's just been on fire this season, so I think it's like realistic to expect a couple misfires, you know, every now and again, especially against, uh, you know, big, ga- big teams, big games. Um, coming off of, you know, carrying Norway, right? And uh, being in the rain... I don't know. Maybe maybe like uh, Ar- Arsenal's like a fire type Pokemon. We really are. Okay, cool. At least we got that. So Arsenal's Charizard and Chelsea's mm. Blastoise. The color schemes work up here. <laughs> um, and so uh, Blastoise casts Rain Dance. I don't even mm-hmm. know if that's the right verbs there. Anyway, so we were talking about an uh, ideal <laughs> Arsenal comp. I'm going to bring us back to sport talk here. Sport talk with Jacob Burke. We got a midfield total sport. staff of Jorginho, Rice, Party, Havertz, Odegaard, and ESR. If we're looking at like the uh, logistical candidates for building out a three-person midfield, right? Uh, uh-huh. Arteta chooses Rice, Jorginho, Odegaard. Odegaard shoving up top, Rice and Jorginho, uh, in our heads, operating as a double pivot. Now, watching the game, this doesn't play out. Uh, Odegaard gets shoved up top as, like, a number 10, uh, and then Rice goes in this weird left-up half space and then, you know, drifts from it, but that's, like, his his anchor point. Mm -hmm. And then Zinchenko slots out of the back four into a double pivot with Jorginho to leave this uh, back three hybrid system that everyone and their mother's doing this season um, for Arsenal. And so we have this kind of four-person midfield going on. And obviously, uh, for the first half anyway, because uh, the second half was a totally different story, it didn't work out. Uh, and I am just want to pick your brain here because if Arsenal are going to mount a uh, credible title challenge here, which they are, but if they want to continue to do so, uh, my my humble opinion is that they change whatever it is Arteta is trying to do here because it didn't work out initially. And I think, um, you know, if, if Chelsea's midfield is overrunning you, when you get to midfields like Newcastle or Man City, um, I think it's going to go way worse. So uh, what, what's what's your ideal midfield scenario? Well, this midfield did beat Man City just last week, Jacob. Yes, they did. I don't know. I don't know about that. <sighs> Will you... And well, you can stand your ground, no, defend it if no that's what you think. No notable missing players from Man City's midfield that need to be discussed. <laughs> um, we won't yeah, talk about Kevin. I think this was like or Rodri. I think this was like Arteta's kind of like his. He saw it work in one big match, and he's like, "We're going to do it again. Um, we're going to do it this more a slightly more conservative approach, I guess, by deploying uh, Jorginho um, at the base of midfield and ostensibly Rice, like you said. I think the 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 thing that the 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 pivot does is it sort of changes the focus of play it, it shifts it back a bit for us um so like if you looked at sort of the the field tilt in this match it was still pretty pretty good for arsenal but it wasn't quite as um suffocating as it has been and i think it's because we're um focusing we're putting we're putting our pivot um deeper on the we're putting one more man deeper on the pitch, right? So we're putting more focus of play deeper into the midfield than we would be higher up the pitch um, where we might have an extra attacker like Havertz or somebody. Um, so I think the problem with that is the way that Chelsea were be able to dispossess us to um, clog up the passing lanes, make us pass backwards or, or just, yeah, lose the ball um, with their press, that then you have Jorginho and I guess Zinchenko as two of your guys covering midfield and neither of them cover space well. So the ideal um, candidate for the Jorginho position, if we're going to do Rice as like the left eight, quote unquote, um, would be Thomas Party. But Thomas Party is coming back from injury. He, he came back from the U.S. playing for Ghana. 
Um, and it seems like a lot of the guys that traveled pretty far distances for the international break got rest um, at the weekend. So I think parties still building fitness and whatnot. And um, they did decided not to risk him and went with Jorginho instead in this case. So like if we're going to do this, I, I, I feel that a rice party Odegaard midfield is very good personally. Uh, I'd be very confident in that. I feel less confident in the Jorginho option in a bigger match, especially on the road. So, um, yeah, that's my feeling on it. I, I think it's fine. I think Jorginho is fine. Um, outside of the one glaring error he made in the North London Derby, I think he's been pretty good. Um, but this was just not a match for the Arsenal midfield as a whole. I think the whole unit just sort of failed. Uh, I'm going to ask two more questions of you about oh, Arsenal, great. and then we're going to move on to Chelsea. Okay. Um, Sinchenko got subbed off halftime. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Asu came on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Totally. I don't. It's not the sub specifically, obviously, but um, totally different half for Arsenal. Yes. Uh, took back the game, um, and frankly, Chelsea didn't. They 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 should have won this, um, <laughs> and they didn't. Uh, so that's something that they need to work on. But I think it also tells the story that, like, uh, you know, Tomiyasu, much more defensively minded. Uh, yes. Than, yes, and. Is, Oh, what's your question? Is please? it crazy to put Zinchenko in the midfield just as a staffer? And then no, put, I don't think so. And then then have like a Rice Zinchenko Odegaard. Is that too much? I don't think that's crazy. I mean, if you're doing a Jorginho, I don't think it's that crazy to do it Zinchenko. You know, Zinchenko is a midfielder. I People think, forget this. You could do Zinchenko Rice Odegaard. Yeah, the, my my point being is that I think Zinchenko is a way better ball handler than Jorginho is, and he's faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zinchenko could totally play in midfield. I would have no problem with that. Okay. Um, I think Tomiyasu made a lot of sense. I think Cole Palmer was getting quite a bit of purchase out of Zinchenko, um, as was Sterling a bit. And Zinchenko was on a yellow card for a stupid challenge on Mudrik. I think he was just kicking him because um, they know each other. So he's, it's kind of like how they say hello. They both they both play for uh, the Ukrainian national team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a bad bad foul that Arteta said basically forced him to make the change. And yeah, Tomiyasu played well. He's been playing well. Uh, he's definitely gained a bit of a, a step in uh, burst in his athleticism um, since having this rash of injuries he's had at Arsenal. And yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. He's had some really solid defensive performances for us. So totally, totally possible that Tomiyasu um, steps in and Zinchenko moves in the midfield. I don't see why that can't happen. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, not steering you that way at all. Um, second question being, um, medical professionals say that um, any more than two sessions on a tanning bed per week starts to become unhealthy for uh, the human body uh, and gives you risk to skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Do we two think per week? Two per week. Do we think Ben White is abusing this limit? Because I, think I he- don't know if you and I, you and I see Ben White on the screen with much less frequency. And whenever I see Ben White on the screen, it's alarming with the the, the choices he makes uh, next to the amount of money he has. Um, I'm not going to... I'm not going to say Ben White isn't abusing tanning beds because he probably is. He, he's probably got a weird, like one of those like my weird addictions to like tanning beds, you know, or like, uh, like <laughs> the lady that eats toilet paper or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, he probably, he probably loves it. He's like a, he's like a, a shawarma on a stick spit they're just spinning him and anyway just keep him rotating i want to see if i can find a picture but here's the thing about ben white he doesn't go with england on international break so he probably goes to like mallorca or something for the weekend and just chills on a beach i saw him posting pictures with wifey on insta so like i don't know he's probably just on a beach this week this past weekend and um you know he got married recently the bleached hair. It that, could be a spray tan. A we spray, can't rule that out. But why? But if you if you make as much money as Ben White does, why would you get a spray tan? Because he's English and they're body. <laughs> they're they're not body. They're what's the word? Tawdry? I don't know. They they, they have uh, they make they make yeah decisions. not body definitely not body. Um, that's a different word. Anyway, yeah, the the English are are strange people sometimes. But Ben White is a himbo. You know, he, he, he really is. is. He is a full blown himbo and. I, I kind of love him a lot, uh, so take <laughs> that mean, what you will. You know, but. I think I do remember the episode that we covered with Ben White transferring from Brighton to Arsenal, mm-hmm. and we were pretty hard on the guy. I remember that. 
Uh, and he he just totally slotted right in. So, dude, the whole narrative around Ben White to Arsenal was so insane. We bought it. That we bought that hook line media and sinker. cycle. Yeah, we were still young pups in the in the <laughs> podcasting game. So young and impressionable. Ben White has been nothing but good for Arsenal. Um, he's a fine. And the whole man. the whole conversation is he's not good in the air. Like that's the only thing that uh, a defensive player is ever going to be doing. Um, it's he just probably, like such a, he probably drinks red. It's like he's not playing for he's not playing for. For David Moyes, for crying out loud, he's playing for Mikel Arteta, who didn't play for David Moyes for ten years. Um. <laughs> anyway, enough enough about tanning beds and skin cancer and sunscreen. Uh, Maddie, you were you were talking this one thing. Uh, I don't I don't I don't want to sensationalize it, but you were saying how Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling got in a bit of a spat over the a penalty. Bit of a tiff. Yeah. Was it a tiff? Because I feel like it was like they were kind of smiling to each other afterwards, you know? I mean, he scored. And so I think he was like, yay, we scored. But um, I can't imagine that Raheem Sterling's like, oh, yeah, why don't you go take the PK when I'm, you know, a more senior player and you're 20 years old and just, you know, starting to get your sea legs? Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Do we know if Raheem Sterling's actually a good penalty taker? Because to my mind, I think he's like bang edge. Did he take one in the Euros final? Um, I don't think so. I don't. You know what? I'm not going to trust my knowledge on that. Sancho, Saka, Kane, Rashford, Rashford, Maguire? Maybe. You might be right. Because didn't McGuire just like that's some impressive bang one recall, in the upper right? If that's if that's what happened, now, I'm, I'm gonna that's some good that's good recall. Um, <clears throat> anyway, let's let's move on to Cole Palmer because I wanted to use that. Uh, Cole Palm Cole Palm Cole Palmer, <laughs> looking good for Chelsea? Question mark. <laughs> two goals, two assists in Chelsea's last four matches across all competitions. Uh, obviously Manchester City youth boy. Comes to the big, the big Chelsea, the Chels, as they say, and uh, I don't know. I mean, do, do we think that Nicky Jack's uh, position here is a bit in jeopardy with uh, Sterling, Palmer, um, and who was the other guy? Mudrick Comp with with uh, um, Red Bull's very own. Help me out here. Oh, uh, Nkunku? Nkunku, well on the way. Well, he's on the way. Yeah, so I think like Nicholas Jackson obviously started the preseason well, came on as a sub, Cole Palmer carrying Gallagher, assisting Mudrick scoring. It seems like all of the uh, engines are firing, or starting to fire, I should say. That's, that, that's too generous for Chelsea. Um, Sterling still doing well, despite not uh, converting this game. Um, do we think Chelsea, given their first half performance this game, uh, could be considered like on the upswing, like they're on the positive trend back up? Boy, it seems like every weekend is just like a roller coaster of emotions for them. Yes. (laughs) Uh, yes. So I can't really tell what is their trajectory currently. Mm. Um, I am holding the position still that their statistics are wildly off and they won't (laughs) make it into top five. You and Lee Dixon would be good friends. (laughs) Oh, wow. Ow. Okay. Do do you remember the game we were just watching? I do. Yeah, he got asked about, like, what he thought about, like, underlying numbers and XG, and he was like... (laughs) I I I respect. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the statistics XG. are, as long as it, if it disagrees with what I'm seeing in front of me. I, that, I why am I making him translate? <laughs> well, boys, are not consistent in their performances. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you might. I mean. Okay. So all things considered, right? Arsenal in the minds of the fans that watch the sport. Yes. Bigger team currently than Chelsea. They're just a better team. Yes. If Chelsea, better team, sure. Well, I'm sorry, bigger, whatever, better. Uh, you're better Nobody's team. bigger than Chelsea. Currently. Chelsea have the most expensive squad in in England. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Chelsea being able to get a draw yeah. against a team like Arsenal, I yeah. think in a vacuum, a good thing. If you told yeah. Chelsea fans they would take a point out of this going into the weekend, I think they would be to a person very happy. I think if you told them they took a point out of this going up two goals in the match, they would probably be pretty annoyed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for the record, Raheem Sterling, uh, as of twenty September twenty twenty three, uh, has is in the top ten for most penalties. Top ten of what? Oh, so, so, wait. Is, is since last month, 
What are you reading? I don't know. The wording is weird. Um, but uh, now one behind Raheem Sterling for the most penalties won in the Premier League. Oh, well, he gets followed. Oh, okay. One second. Carrier. Never mind. I'm going to find a different fact. Okay. you uh, FB ref is good. Keep penalty statistics. rooting around for those facts. <laughs> Keep digging them up. Uh, <laughs> I love them. Uh, however, um, with 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 the midfield comp of Moises Caicedo, Enzo Fernandez, and Connor Gallagher captaining the squad, um, That's, I, that was interesting. By the way, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought I thought that was good though. I mean, it must be cool being uh, you know coming up through Chelsea and then being able to captain the squad. It's that, crazy that must they're be just going to awesome, sell him this summer. Awesome! <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> He's, 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 I, th- I, th- I thought that was a positive guy, uh, thing for the guy. Wasn't and there like a 40 million pound bid table by Tottenham at like the end of the summer that I, they were like going to take? I don't know. I do not log transfers. He's made for and missed for. So you are correct. He is... Uh, yeah. So 50%, 50% is actually way, way off the mark of a good penalty taker. Real bad. Um, anyway. Against Casper Schmeichel. We, we are... <laughs> We are way off the beaten path right now. Uh, Chelsea's midfield ran the show, right? Uh, uh, Moises yeah. Caicedo, Enzo Fernandez, Conor Gallagher against Rice, Trichinho, Odegaard, slash Zinchenko, if you want to count that. Um, so for the first half, anyway, uh, up to the front three, Mudrik was uh, looking nice uh, in, in his runs, I should say. Um, and and they all and they just threw it away in the second half is what I want to get at. Um, Sanchez passes to Connor Gallagher. Connor Gallagher, not really expecting the pass, is immediately dispossessed by I want to say um, it was just it, it ended up at Declan Rice's feet basically. He just read a pass. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, Sanchez didn't deliver the ball with any pace. It was whatsoever. a lazy pass. Yeah, and then it takes. See, a the wet easy grass goal. can affect them too, baby. It can. It can. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, like these mistakes happen. Right with especially when it's raining, especially after an international break. But then Chelsea just lose the whole grip on the game. Then it just all goes Arsenal's way. Like they they concede once, and then it's all over. So um, I believe Leandro Trossard, who is now the world's best super sub, um, comes on and ties it up for Arsenal. So I guess um, do we think that uh, this is a error prone team because they're so young, or because that uh, they just happen to go down on a fluke goal to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went up on a fluke handball and a fluke what Pochettino says was totally on purpose and not accidental at all. Um, goal Mudrick's from goal. Mudrick. <laughs> Which was probably an attempted cross that yes. ended up perfectly chipping David Raya. Yeah, it was great. I yeah. mean, it was beautiful. Yeah, but was nice. um, It's a cool goal. Yeah, uh, but they went up on two flukes, so why not go down on two flukes, you know? Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, the, the handball penalty is interesting because it seems like there's been some hearty conversation back and forth about discourse, discourse, of course, about the handball and whether or not it's harsh or not. To me, it's not that harsh. I don't know. His hand's pretty far away from his body. Like it was William Sleba, of course, he's jumping in the air to try to, to head the ball away from goal. And, uh, he kind of jumps like he's doing the Naruto run. He's got his arms behind him. And he's dipping his head forward. Um, yeah, and it just hits him in the hand. And it's extended from his body. It's in the box. I don't know. It seems like that's a pretty cut and dry interpretation of how the handball rule has been deployed these last few uh, few seasons. So, I don't know. I I wasn't too bothered by that being given. I think I would have been bothered if I was a Chelsea fan and it wasn't given. So, that's probably my personal criteria for penalties. And if I'm being fully honest, I think it's fine. Uh, do you guys think that it was harsh or... I thought it was unlucky. Yeah, it was unlucky That's, for sure. I don't. I don't think it was harsh. I. I can see where they're coming from saying it is harsh, but I don't. I would be pissed if that was my team and they didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob. Do you? Have yeah. I mean, it's it's uh it, it's definitely not against his body, so I don't know why it wouldn't be called personally. Same. Um, so wow. as long as it's you know, um, and I put this in size a hundred font bolded, consistently called. <laughs> Then that's okay. Well, yeah, no, yeah. We'll, we'll see about that part of it. But yeah, in this one specific instance, they yeah. probably got it right. Yes. Okay, we all agree. Um. So yeah, I think the the Mudrik goal you can maybe call a bit fluky, and if you want to say that the the Sanchez giveaway to Rice is offset, then there's probably like 
two fair goals that were made in this match and the game ended on like one to one XG basically. So I don't know. I mean, it feels like the draw at the end of the day was like, just like pretty much warranted, you know, Chelsea didn't really make a ton outside of the, the penalty chance. Um, obviously, um, I thought there was, there was like one or two moments that they kind of mucked up, but, um, not a lot of consistent attack, um, out of them. And then, yeah, Arsenal didn't really turn anything on until like the 65th minute. So like (laughs) they really left it late to like try to get into the match and got kind of lucky that, um, they were gifted a goal and a lot of momentum with it. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Chelsea probably should have taken the points just given the position they were in the match, but it wasn't like the most outstanding performance from either team. <laughs> well, uh, as results stand, Arsenal-Manchester City joint tied for first on points alone. Uh, we will see what the table brings come Monday when Tottenham face Fulham, and if they win, that will put the North London club in first. Mighty, mighty Tottenham. Anyway, um, that I think was uh, the uh, the big money match that the Prem put us on this weekend. Money, Let's money, move money. on to uh, Manchester City 2-1 Brighton. I feel like this scoreline is kind of misleading. Why? Why do you say that? Because Brighton didn't look up for it, really. Man City looked their usual, which is, you know, pretty good. But Brighton just didn't feel like they were their usual. Um, their really form of, only form of attack was Matoma at the top. Interesting. Uh, well, obviously, um, Danny Welbeck um, got injured, sent off. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yep. we're going to have an FPL conversation at the end of this, Maddie. Just to Fantastic. go through decision-making processes. <laughs> Um, Why wouldn't I buy a scorer for a team that's been doing really well? Oh, wait, it's because they get injured. James Milner. Buy the guy that scores for the team. That's why. Maddie. James Milner faces off against Count Doku (laughs) and loses pretty bad. Um, Yeah. Blair, I'm pretty sure you wrote that one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, James Milner washed, right? Um, that's what that's ripped. what you mean. That man. Yeah, we were commenting on. He's there's not a spare spare chunk of fat on that guy. I tell you what. Yeah. Um, lean, mean, run a machine. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he did very well in this matchup. It, this game was about one v one matchups in the end. I think for me, um, it was the Walker versus Matoma matchup for for Brighton's perspective, and then the Doku versus Milner perspective uh, for City. So I think that. I know which side of that I'd rather be on. Um, and it's Count Doku in this case. He was definitely had the run of the, the Man City's left wing for a good chunk of this match. Um, and I think I think he, he does really good um, to get into dangerous spots, to get into the box. Um, it's basically just Doku beating Milner, cutting it back. That was just rinse and repeat. That was, that was City's attack. Um, problem was either Doku wasn't able to find anybody with a cutback or there was nobody there to be found um, for a lot of these. So I think there needs to be some refining there for, for Doku because uh, I think some of his decision-making and stuff still needs to be worked out. Um, but like the talent and the ability to get <laughs> into these dangerous areas and to create chances. I mean, he did get an assist after all. So um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, just massively impressive. So and like it was, it was quite essential for that Alvarez goal. Like that was that was exactly what that was building towards. Um, it was in the seventh minute, so building wasn't building very long. But um, you know that was exactly the kind of goal they were going to get out of it. Was a player like Alvarez making the right run, gambling as they say, um, to one of the posts, and uh, Doku cutting back the ball, um, finding him perfectly, and him being able to chip it in. So yeah, tough tough for Milner on that one. Yeah, and. Uh- Doku, uh, as you, uh, well, I think we're just going to go focus on him a bit because I think, uh, but this was his first, uh, I'm going to use the word headline performance. Yeah, sure. Against Brighton. I think that's right. And he really showed up for it. Uh, you know, was uh, the clear, a clear ball mover, was uh, very adept in getting around Milner. Um, once Veltman came on, it was a bit of a different story with someone a bit more quick uh, with age on their side. However, um, I want to just get into a bit of a, a talk sport question with you. Nice. Uh, 
If, oh. if you're Pep Guardiola, if you're Pep Guardiola, Blair, and you're trying to start 11 men, oh, where I'm Thomas Shelby. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, went down my over real anyway, quick. If you're Pep, uh, do you take Doku or Grealish in that position? On average, you, you can only start one player for all 38 games. Um, I think your... Injuries have nothing to do with it. So I'll give, I'll give my explanation, uh, I think my thought process for it before I give an answer. Sure. Because um, that's how I do things. Um, I think your volatility with Doku, you're going to hit higher highs and lower lows with him because I do think that while he's great at the 1v1 duels and the uh, the dribbles, um, transcreation, getting in the box, he's not the um, possession-oriented, uh, um, retain uh, kind of player that Grealish is. And I think Grealish helps City just sort of tick along. And that was like the big focus of City's transformation with Holland was they needed these wingers who could put their foot on the ball um, and able to kind of sort of shepherd the ball up the pitch uh, and play more possession-oriented soccer. Doku is all about like beating his man and making something happen. He's not about like putting his foot on the ball, recycling possession, um, you know, doing that sort of thing, right? So I think that um, it sort of depends on what you're going for. I think right now what City's trying to do is beat uh, beat teams with the athleticism of like Doku of Holland. Um, and they have more of the technical guys on the interior of the pitch, um, like Alvarez and Silva. But they're missing... Um, Kevin De Bruyne. So I guess it sort of makes sense, right? That they're just going for more of this um, sort of like sucker punch approach instead of like a thousand little cuts. Mm. I think though, uh, the more consistent guy is going to be Grealish. I think the more consistent um, sort of productive engine is going to be Grealish. And that's not like end product. I think what Grealish does is very valuable, but it doesn't really show up in your typical counting stats, your goals and assists. Um, he hasn't really been that at City, but like all of his underlying metrics have been incredibly good. He's an incredibly good final third presence. Um, and I think if I'm Pep, Jeremy Doku is like this excellent uh, ace up the sleeve to have to bring off the bench. A guy who's going to be a way a huge change of pace to Grealish. If I'm if you're if you're doing it one way, it's going to be Grealish to Doku, not Doku to Grealish. Because um, if you've been defending Doku, or uh, I'm sorry, yeah, if you've been defending Grealish in his sort of tempo style all game, and then Doku comes on and just sprints past you. Like then you're like, you're just kind of like oh shit like I have to like completely reoriented reorient how I'm like playing this guy right mm. so um, I probably still go with Grealish personally but um, yeah I guess that's one to be debated. What a sensible and well worded answer, Thanks. not the kind I was hoping for. But here <sighs> we are, Maddie. Yeah. Give me what I want, Doku or Grealish. Oh boy, um, I think Doku has a higher ceiling. Okay. I'd go with Doku. Okay. That's not what you want either. No, that's good. I kind of wanted you to lay into one of them, but that's okay. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, uh, I think Grealish um, is a silly boy. <laughs> I, I think he, he's, he's just a silly boy who likes to draw fouls. And yeah. I think Doku was very productive yeah, uh, on his side. That's good. That's good stuff. We're going to pin thank that. You, thank it's you. It's going to go on all those platforms. Just <laughs> um, a silly little boy. Yeah. Uh, I think you touched on the, our second point here, Blair. So I'm going to just move right on past it. Um, you've also touched on that point. Um, this it makes for good content. A kanji, two yellows. It was sent off late in the game, uh, kind of sealed off the two one, um, as he brought someone down. So that kind of put Manchester city over the edge. So I think that was kind of, um, good. Like it was, it was, it was a right call. Kanji. Yeah. T- thank you. Um, you're welcome. Blair, you've got a good question here. Um, I'm not sure how to answer it. What's up with city this year. They seem on edge for a lot, a lot for some reason and are making uncharacteristic mistakes. They don't Do you have, have their sources to cite here? Cause I don't know if they've had more cards overall. I don't know if they do. It might just be more of a impression than anything. A vibe. I don't know if the numbers would agree with it, but it just seems like a couple of red cards, you know, the straight red for, for, uh, um, Rodri. Rodri, definitely a case of head loss there. Um, probably what should have been a red card last week. Yes. Probably what should have been a red card last week with Kovacic. Um, yes. yep. Red card this week. Yeah. I mean like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, that's three, three matches now. Um, Rodri's at about two fouls committed per 90. He's on uh, three yellows. Yeah, does does counting yellows with Rodri like really reveal the full picture with him? No, obviously. It, I don't think it does. He, but. Um, he's on three yellows and one red, uh, but he's leading the team in that stat currently. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, most of them are, you know, defenders like Walker, Gavardi, Kanji, uh, Kovacic for obvious reasons in the, in the match against uh, you guys. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think maybe because I think part of it also has to do with the, the whole to me with the bigger picture here is to the league is just the way the refs are handling calls. Um, it feels wildly worse. True. Um, and I'm part of it. Part of me is thinking there, there was a standard change um, in the way that the refs are governing the game. And so some growing pains have to be uh, dealt with and that's fine. So if it happens, you know, for a bit, that's okay. That That's, that's where I'm at right now. If it keeps persisting into like this, crazy inconsistent calling teams having to you know do their weekly uh their weekly time at the altar of uh complaining as to how refs were officiating the game then i'm you know i'm going to become a bit more old man yells at sky about it yeah that's my take you have any feelings i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to figure out where man city were last season at game week nine but google just keeps fucking bringing up the 2023 season i don't want it uh i want i just want to see how many goals they had against last season at game week nine ah um uh, uh fb refs last season stats might have it stupid this google machine mm. is supposed to be smart mm. okay well i'm gonna move on so we, we don't just stand still here. Yeah. uh aston villa 4-1 west ham at villa park i thought it was gonna be a better game yeah i agree like more even keel. I thought it was gonna be yeah. e- a more even game. Yeah. Yeah. I thought these teams both seem to have um a decent bit of form. I guess though Villa recently uh at home are hard to beat. Eight games in a row. Eleven. Eleven games in a row. I think, right? Eleven straight home wins. Yeah, according to the commentary that we listened to during the game. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, Villa, obviously, Villa looked like they had something ready for West Ham. They employed it well, and the system was much more clear uh, in the build-up play. West Ham kind of looked like they were just relying on some guys to do what they had to do. Um, notably, I'm going to go jump straight to the criticism here, because I think that's easiest. Uh, Mikhail Antonio participating in build-up play for West Ham on the wings. Was I am, he participating or was he smothering? He was He was participating. Well, he was doing his best, and I think the, the, the attack was fizzling out. Um, I'm, and I'm not entirely sure what the direction was from David Moyes, but whenever he got the ball, the play died. Uh, and I don't know what, what I would do with that other than tell him to not do that and stick to the middle guys what do you think i i think this is something that like he's been doing for a while like he does drift out wide like this um and like i don't know i would like him i would like to see him stay more central and i would like to see them use jared bowen um kind of running off of him the thing is is, like he kept drifting left you know um and so like he's he and bowen are so far apart and like when you're um, countering, you know, it's it's often like a two or three man game against your what, what what's left of your opponent's defensive structure. So like you, you need to be uh, close enough to link up, you know. And I think Antonio is generally pretty good at that. That's one of his strengths as a hold up man. Um, he's not like a guy you want to get on the ball and like drive down the wing though. Um, his passing into the into the box was horrible. He kept hitting the side netting instead of <laughs> the the box itself. Um, <laughs> It was pretty bizarre. So, yeah, really weird, disjointed yeah. performance from him today. Um, okay, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, the, the the clear winners here, Aston Villa. Then um, Ollie Watkins, uh, Colin Good. That's what I got here. Yeah, uh, clearly uh, part of the counterattack. Um, <laughs> I think this is someone. Someone I don't know who wrote this. We counterattack. Now you counterattack. Now we counterattack. Now you counterattack. Who did that? That was me. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Who did that? It did feel pretty pacey at times. Um, but but Ollie Watkins in particular was able to slot in between um, the defenders and get through balls. Um, his goal came off a wonderful finish. Just just so quick. Uh, yes, Ariola had no chance. Uh, really didn't. Yeah, it's like I, I don't think um, <laughs> the goalkeeper can be blamed. 
Lee. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, West Ham didn't defend their box well, which is a must for their systems to succeed. Uh, easy cutback in the box from Zaniolo for the first goal. A uh, penalty uh, that Douglas Luiz converted for the second goal. Kurt Zuma and Ali Watkins. Ali Watkins trumps that every time. And Leon Bailey's goal. Blair, you want to give a quick, because uh, you were the most vocal on that one while we were watching. Dude, wow. Uh, it was Naifa Gerd who was um, one-on-one with Bailey. Bailey's coming at him with a bit of pace. Bailey drops his right shoulder um, and kind of gives a little body faint. Uh, Aguirre bites on it all the way, and then Bailey just quickly changes direction, hits it with his left left foot, uh, bangs it at the back post. It was That was a sick goal. Yeah. Absolutely bodied Sublime. Him. It was. Sublime. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean... It's it's nice it's nice for for Villa especially when they're able to get into um, a bit of flow transition flow like this like Diaby and Watkins and Zaniolo Zaniolo was like really a focal point for them he was receiving the ball off the pitch like a lot um, I noticed and he's very good at receiving uh, he would always receive in the half turn he was turning away from defenders every time um, I thought he played really well and he was kind of in that inside half space uh, Luca Dina Dina would be kind of all he hugged out on the left side. Um, yeah, they, they were just, they, they just looked like a pretty well-drilled team. Um, guys seem to know where to be and they've got, uh, a talent, a talented attacking players, like all over the pitch, bringing on a guy like Bailey is really nice. Mm-hmm. Cause again, he's a guy with a ton of speed. Um, and he can definitely make tired legs look, uh, pretty bad. So yeah, great, great coaching performance. I'd say from Unai Emery, um, terrible defensive showing from West Ham. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Last question on this. Yeah. Aston Villa, top six, yes or no? Um, I don't think so. I think they'll make a nice run in uh, Europe, though. I think that's they'll like, take Chelsea's spot wherever you think Chelsea's going to land. I think that's where Aston Villa's going to land. Instead. I thought Chelsea was going to land in fourth. Sure. So, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, Newcastle, Brighton. Okay. Okay. Brentford. That's that's six teams. One, two, three, four. Yeah, it's pretty congested. I mean, Aston Villa is currently fifth. They FYI. are. They are three points out above Newcastle. Yes. They're uh, uh, they're knocking on Liverpool's door. Newcastle with the best goal difference in the league, by the way. Um, well, all right. I think that covers the games. <laughs> Let's go into an FPL roundup. Transition noise. Transition noise. Yep, you just did it. Blair, who are our FPL leaders this week? Alrighty, folks. Top five, a bit of a, some movers and shakers this week. Let's go with one through five. Shake and bake, Dan Arnsberger holding it down at number one. A new leader has emerged. He's on a wild card this week. 76 points for Dan, and he's still got three Tottenham boys to go. Dan. Wow. Holy cow. He had Ollie Watkins. He had Holland, he had Salah, he had Mbomo. He basically picked every right player that he could have. That was, in, that was a hell of a performance. Good job. Um, Sun Sar and Pedro Porro left for tomorrow. I expect him to get some returns there as well. So I believe Dan will be well and truly holding down number one by the end of the week. Um, second place is being currently occupied by a little known, a little known podcaster named me, Caro Human or Are You Dancer? 75 points this week. Nice. You said it right today. Destiny nice. Adogi to go. Um, so I don't, know, I don't feel good about having Chelsea or Tottenham players on my fantasy team, but whatever. <laughs> um, and Erickson, Coaches 11. Last year's champ, I think. Yes. Yeah. No. Was she, was she last year's champ? Maybe yeah. not. Maybe now she was I'm second questioning place. everything. Yeah. 83 points, and She made the right choice. What did Anne do? Captain Mo Salah this week. 32 points did. from the boy. Um, she still has Christian Romero left to play. So, whew, um, sorry, I haven't been reading the overall points tallies. So Dan's on 550. I'm currently on 543. Anne's on 542. Whew. I believe Tight race. it's quite possible that Anne overtakes me for second place tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see. Um, fourth place, Sakajawea, Spencer Clark, 67 points today or this week, rather. He also wild carded, um, did pretty well. He captained Salah like a chump. I'm sorry, Holland like a chump. He had Salah on his team. Um, got returns from uh, Saka, from Watkins. Um, I think Pedro Nato as well. Yep, Pedro Nato had an assist this week. Um, Burn and Simikas on the team. He definitely saw the um, the news regarding one uh, Robertson. I, I believe that's probably why I made that choice. Um, 67 points, decent, decent, decent return. Spencer Clark. Fourth place, 535 total. Um, it's getting pretty packed up there at the top. And then our once 
brave, valiant, <laughs> number one placeholder, uh, step up to the street. Don't un- still haven't quite understood the name that he chose. Last year, his name was something to do with step up, and this year it's step up to okay. the street. 54 points this week for Zach Mikowski, step up to the street. Roommate Zach. Um, he once again, not once again, he continues to not know his password. <laughs> and so very if you solvable solution. If you look at his team, he does currently have two guys who have red flags, meaning they are not playing due to injury. That is Harvey Barnes and Lysandra Martinez. Despite this, he had 54 points this week somehow. Um, Diego Dello on his bench in the second game. place has 11 points. I don't know if he will. I think Dello subs in. Did Casemiro play this week? No, he didn't. Yeah, Dallas going to sub yeah, in. So okay, so Zach, 65 points. Zach's going to be at 65 points. He yeah. still has Sun to play. Um, so the the game tomorrow does ha- uh, have some pretty significant bearing on um, yeah. our overall rankings for the week. My app is currently frozen, so I can't read out how many total points he has. Yeah, 531. Uh, thank, you. 530. thank you. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty solid week at the top. Um, are there any other movers and shakers outside of the top five you guys want to shout out? I have one. Um, there's, there's one player who was here last year, and he was right there at the bottom with me, and this year he is is uh, shaking his way to the top, and Oof. that is Control Alt De Bruyne. Uh, he has moved from 17th to 11th very quickly. Nice. Congrats, John, my brother. Nice. Well done. Congrats. Very good, very good. And I'm still at the bottom, so thank you. You're not very at much. the bottom. No, yeah. I can't because one guy joined our team, our, okay. our league two so, weeks late. So here's the thing, okay? You got to get rid of Ramsdale. You got to get rid of Buda Hamarish. He's gone. You got to get rid of Danny Welbeck. And they, you got to get rid of that frown on your face. Yeah. I can't because Danny Welbeck was performing and then guess who bought him? Me. Okay, it's Jensen fine. wasn't it's performing. Fine. Guess fine. who sold him? We gotta, Me We got to stop dwelling on the past. We got we to gotta focus on the present. That's no. right, baby. Yeah, future's all up. I'm talking you. about you, baby. I hate <laughs> both of you. All right, let's wrap this up. All righty, folks. Uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. We're going to sign off and take some meds. Cheers. Cheers. We're going we're gonna, to uh, put Instagram polls out for the matches next week. Oh, yeah, we will. Yeah, we talked about this. This was planned. For sure. We didn't we didn't forget to do this part of it. Not at all. Um Can't wait to watch Wolves Newcastle. Bournemouth Burnley, anybody? <laughs> it's the Manchester Derby next weekend, right? It is the Manchester Derby next weekend. Oh boy. <laughs>